Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 44. John and Wendy talk to Michael Vandervoort. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going, John? I'm well. I feel like Good. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Everything going going well on your end? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. We're heading towards Thanksgiving time, and it's going to be here before you know it. It's it's pretty amazing. I had a conversation <laughs> with uh, previous guest Ben Eubanks last week about kind of the end of the year and things slowing down, and I feel like we uh, we're not. We no. <laughs> we're just going to keep plugging away. But, keep going uh, fast, fast and furious. Yeah, you know we've talked about a lot of different things before we introduce our guests, and I wanted to talk briefly about chats and not ours for once. Uh, <laughs> wanted to give a shout out to our new friends over at Recruitee. They do uh, a chat called TA Innovators uh, hashtag TA Innovators, and that's every Tuesday at eleven o'clock Eastern Time AM connecting with uh, talent acquisition and recruiting folks. And they've been uh, very complimentary of the social hour and just wanted to to give them a shout out. And, and hopefully people can check out that chat. It's tough for me to make every week because Tuesday at 11, you know, kind of like three o'clock every Wednesday is tough sometimes for next chat. Hopefully it can pop in there sooner than later, but wanted to to mention them by name and you keep the the chat list up to date. Hopefully we can get them out there and spreading the word. Yeah, I, I do. You know what? I need to take a look at the list and, and get it updated. So, you know, help me out, you guys. If you know of chats that have changed or um, new chats that we need to be aware of, let us know and we'll get that uh, that list updated and shared out again. Well, enough about chats because yes. I want to get to chat and dart with our guests. Chat for I, I have to say I was thinking about it and I believe that, that this guest, he's the only person that we've talked to where we have individually been on his podcast. We've talked to some other folks, you know, as a pair, but I mm -hmm. think he is the only person that has interviewed us. So I, I'm it's kind of fun to flip the script on him. But Wendy, I'll let you make the introduction and we'll get started. Yeah, I was so excited to welcome Mike to the show tonight. He is an HR practitioner with over 25 years of experience. He specializes in creating thriving workplaces driven by positive associate relations. He's the executive director of Q Inc., a nonprofit member run organization dedicated to assisting companies in the creation and maintenance of positive work environments. He is an accomplished social media user, and he was responsible for implementing the initial social media efforts at one of the largest grocery retailers in North America. He was recently chosen for the sixth time to serve as part of the blogging and social media team for the Sherm National Conference and Exposition. He frequently speaks and writes about a wide variety of human resources topics, including labor relations and employee relations, positive workplace leadership, and social media. So Mike, welcome to the show tonight. And our first question is what's in your glass? Yeah, so thanks for having me. I actually went and took, so it's a bottle, not a glass, technically. Um, I have nice. a, I work, I work with an event planner whose name is Laura and she lives in Phoenix. And she gifted me with a, every, every quarter I get a 12 pack of craft brewed beer. And tonight's choice, and it's not that great, but it is called Lazy Magnolia Sweet Potatoes Stout. It's brewed with wow. sweet potatoes Whoa. and lactose by Mississippi's oldest brewery. So I'm like, I'm going to tell Laura, like, if you have a choice, don't send me any more of this stuff, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what was in the fridge and cold. So that's what that's what's in my bottle this evening. Anyway, 
Wow, I, I, sweet potato beer. You've stumped me, Sorry. Mike. Uh, well, congratulations, but well, having having said all that, we did have a chance to to visit, you know, several times over the the last few months, and got a chance to to catch up quite a bit in Chicago. I don't really know a lot of of your backstory. How exactly did you first get into human resources? Uh, it's a it's a long story, and I won't bore you with all the details. Um, I was a I lived in Michigan, and I grew up in the Detroit area. And my dad was a manager for a General Electric division that was based in Detroit. You know, back in the '60s and '70s, and he used to do a lot of labor and employee relations stuff. And I went to the University of Michigan, which is having a maybe going to get into the, the college uh, football playoffs this year. We'll see. They're, they're at least have a shot. I was going to do law school. And I, I took a detour. I, I graduated out of Michigan with a poli-sci degree. I got involved in a relationship. I adopted a child. I decided to change gears, and I went to work at the post office. And so I was a letter carrier for the U.S. Postal Service from 1979 to 1986. And while I was there, I actually became involved in the union movement and was elected as a union official. And that got me tremendously interested in employee and labor relations. And so when I decided to go back to school, I dropped law school as my plan. And I went to Michigan State University, which at that time had one of the uh, leading schools for labor and industrial relations. And I, I went into HR. I left the post office and went to work in private industry. And I've been doing labor and employee relations of some sort as an HR generalist or a specialist for, it says 25 years in my bio, but that's just because I never want to hear 30. It's actually something like 32 years. At this so <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an age denier, I guess. So yeah, it, it was it was a really, growing up in Michigan, there was a lot of stuff different than today, but back in the 60s and 70s, the, the, the automobile industry and the UAW and just all kinds of stuff going on. And, and it just, it was fascinating to me. And so it, it, it became uh, a, a, an interest and in, in then, a, then a career that I've practiced ever since. Wow. Now you'd get a lot of uh, labor relations experience in, in Michigan, for sure. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely a hotbed of... It, it, yes, it, it was more so back then than it is now, but st there's still plenty of drama sure. going on up there these days. So I have to ask, and I, we talked a little bit about it this summer. You know, I, I did a hitch in labor at, in my previous employer, and I really, really enjoyed that world a lot. You were with the union from the Postal Service side. So when you went back and after you got your degree, you've been a corporate yep. side management side. Management <laughs> side pays a lot better. Uh, uh, especially when you're, uh, uh, you know, like a local, an official elected at a local and you're a volunteer, right? Basically. Uh, it, right. Yeah. Sure. But, um, no, I, I really, I, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't about money. I mean, it, I mean, clearly I, I, I wanted to be in the career, but I, I had always, you know, with the, with the law, the law background and all of that, I had always envisioned myself in, in management, um, but but when you're in a union environment, and especially in one um, that's also quasi-federal, the post office has a really weird status. It's not actually a government department, but it, it is and it isn't. It's the only way that you, collective bargaining, such as it is in the, in the federal world, it's really the only way you can impact the terms and conditions of your employment. And as, and as somebody who is interested in trying to make money and advance myself, Becoming involved in the union 
and, and trying to exercise some leadership and control over my own destiny, uh, you know, as little as it might be realistically, it was, the, it was the only way I could do that. And then there were some, you know, there was there were a lot of cool problem solving issues and, you know, conflict resolution stuff. And so when I went to graduate school and learned how to do it as a manager, I think that the advantage that having that that experience on the union side gave me, at least early in my career, was a perspective of how employees feel in the workplace. You know, hourly employees who do the work, not all managers live in that world. And so I've always felt like I had a little bit of a special insight there um, over. And John, you know, I mean, over 30 plus years, I've actually become much more passionate about the belief that a, a good employer doesn't require a union. I mean, I'm not against unions. Obviously, I was I was a, a member and, a, and an officer. But I think a good impl- a good company that that works to strives to work with its employees, uh, you know, that that direct relationship is the best you can enjoy if if it's healthy and you know engaged. And that's kind of the work that I've done for the last right. 15 years or so. So with Q, your focus is on that employee labor relations side of our business. So what do you see as the biggest challenge employers are facing today when it comes to maintaining positive employee relations? I think that kind of the ongoing, and this is maybe more eternal than today's issue. Uh, you know, we're in one of these, and we, we were here we were here a decade ago, right, before the housing market melted down. We have, you know, we have an unprecedented job market, lowest unemployment, whether you believe President Trump is responsible or not. Um, clearly, there are it, it, more jobs than there are people. And one of the big things that employers face is not only hiring, but retaining talent. And those employers that, as I said, strive to build positive employee workplaces, communicate with their people, keep them engaged. And that, that's not heaping money necessarily, nor, you know, providing pet pet insurance as a, as a benefit or a pool table in your lounge. I mean, it's, it's how your managers and your, your employees really get along and, and that, you know, people feel treated fairly and recognized and rewarded in the workplace. I think those are the, I mean, this isn't rocket science, but it's stuff that companies don't always do well. And at Q, what we try to do is help employers foster those, those practices by sharing information with each other. We create networking and educational opportunities. And we just had a conference this past fall in Indianapolis. And like one of the one of the companies that we talked to was or that presented was Best Buy. We were in Minneapolis and Target and Best Buy are both companies that are headquartered there. Made a panel from Best Buy and one of the gentlemen, his name is Charlie Montreal, and he said he's had you know hundred phone calls this year about leave, family leave, providing, and I'm not talking about Family Medical Leave Act, but providing leave for people to go take care of sick relatives and kind of paid leave, which is a postal or a, I mean, a government issue, something that we don't make mandatory. And, and Best Buy is kind of a leader on that. And they've, they've shown tremendous benefits already just from the fact that their employees are so appreciative of the opportunity to, to continue to get paid while they're dealing with a major family issue. And year before that, we had Walmart, which is you know not always the 
recognized as one of the top employers in the U.S. It's one of the largest, but they don't always have the greatest reputation. And they, we, they, they shared a workshop with us on how they treated their, their employees during one of the hurricanes in, in Texas. And they, they did some remarkable stuff as simple as providing showers and hot meals and not paychecks, but cards, you know, debit cards where people could go get their money. And they had eight offices in, in and around Houston where people could go and meet with an, uh, somebody from the HR department. So, I mean, there's, you know, sometimes it's just basic human care. And, and I think that's something that employers, you know, remain challenged with. How do they do it all the time? If you look into the crystal ball, you've been doing this a long time. You've been on the union side. You've been on the company side for a long time. And now you're working with Q, with these different employers and hearing what, what's going on currently. But, you know, what do you see on the horizon? To, you know, you, you I, I see a lot of the content that you share, especially when it comes to some of the union activity and what's going on. But what do you see and what are you hearing? Where, where do you think employee relations are going to go in the next many years? I think in, in the United States in particular, right, Canada is a little different and Europe's a little different and other parts of the world. You know, unions are not standard labor unions are not as relevant in today's business world in North America as they were, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, or certainly 40 or 50 years ago. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some are, you know, they haven't done a great job. Some are that companies are doing a better job. And probably a lot of it is that what unions were formed or created around in the 30s, 40s and 50s was the lack of government regulation on safety and the way people are treated. And, you know, the, the government has sort of regulated the, the workplace much better, which unions led a lot of. But despite that, there are still many workplace issues. And so over the last but they're but they're they're different now in that they're not necessarily ter- wages and terms and conditions of employment as described in a collective bargaining agreement, right? But like we have joint we have the gig economy and we have, you know, who's the actual employer, Uber or someone else? Uh, you know, uh, are, is the employee an employee or are they an independent contractor? How do they get benefits if they get benefits at all? You know, the 50, the fight for 15 has been around for a few years and has had some success over the last year. We've had a massive spill. You know, the Me Too movement has become a massive movement in the workplace. Um, and just last week, in a rolling strike at Google, which is viewed as one of the coolest companies and all that kind of stuff, but yet their employees were taking time to walk off the job in a rolling strike around the world over the way Google had managed, I don't know, 48 executives who had engaged in in sexual harassment in the workplace. And so there are and there are a lot of other in Silicon Valley and other places, there are a lot of other types of activist issues which revolve more around corporate projects. For example, I think Amazon offers a facial recognition product that their employees have advocated that they not sell and Microsoft and Dell, you know, a number of other companies have experienced similar movements. So we have these, they're not, it's not a labor movement or, you know, thousands of people flocking together to exercise their collective power to make more money, but it's almost like an issue driven uh, collective and, and they, they, they ebb and flow and, it's really difficult for employers to kind of know how to deal with it because it brings into play the public, public opinion, 
social media has made it immensely complicated on, on how to respond to these things. And if you do it right, you can, you can become a cool brand. And if you do it wrong, you can get, you know, excoriated in the press or the, the you know, the press of the, the of public opinion very quickly. Nike and some others experience that kind of stuff. It, it, it's, uh, so that's a lot of what's going on right now. And then of course there's, there's more technical stuff with the National Labor Relations Board. I mean, under the, the Obama administration, they, they made many changes trying to empower employees around collected protective concerted activity, freedom of speech. And now the, the Trump white or the Trump board is bringing some of that back. That's the normal ebb and flow. Uh, but they still have really complicated decisions to make around joint employer and some other issues like that that are unsettled in uh, college organizing. I mean, there's tons, there's more going on than people see because most of us don't deal with unions anymore. There's a lot out there, but it's very sector specific. Sorry if I rambled around there. It's a lot, it's a lot of stuff for one question. <laughs> Not at all. No, I, no it fascinates good. me to no end. And I, you know, I heard you talking last week about uh, in and out. Yeah, in and out. Exactly. They are really well respected for how exactly. they treat their employees and, and, and benefits and everything else. And, they, and then they're even talking about organizing. Whoa, okay, wait. So what are, what are they missing? There well, there's, is some a, kind of, there's a regional I, no, I, uh, There's a regional chain. I've never been up there, but in I don't know if it's Portland or Seattle. I think it's Seattle called Burgerville. And they've actually had a couple, two of the first ever uh, fast food unions, and it was the it was the Burgerville Workers Union and uh, a union called the International Workers of the World, I think that that organized them. I don't know if they have a contract, but I mean it's in, in the chain. When you look at like their website, if you go look on their career page, I mean they pay like twelve bucks an hour. They offer you know paid family. I mean it's not just a fast food restaurant with minimum wage and no benefits. They're actually a pretty good employer by the standards of that industry and yet they still experienced organizing and right. and, and I don't I don't know what drove it, but I suspect it probably had something to do with management or lack of respect or you know something along those lines where people just were not happy about things other than the pay and benefits. You have recently announced the return of drive-through HR, which John and I were both guests on that earlier this year. So we're kind of excited to see this. So tell us a little bit about how you first got involved with podcasting and uh, what the future holds for drive-through. Sure. So I'm not sure when. So we did Robin Schooling, uh, who many, many people know. Uh, Robin's been in the in the social media world for a long time. Just joined Strio Consultants as their director of HR after working in a casino. And I decided to play with drive through. I, I got involved in drive through. Uh, Brian Wempen, uh, who no longer really works in HR, but is still well-known to many of us, created drive through HR back in 2008 or 9. ran it for a while himself, brought William Tincup in. William was a host for, I don't know, four or five years. Over time, Brian dropped out. William at, uh, and Nisha Raghavan and Brian, I think, did it for a while. Brian left. William and Nisha had it. Eventually, Crystal Miller and I stepped in kind of on a volunteer basis about four years ago. And, and started trying to do, we were trying to keep drive through alive. I think the thing that with us, like, and I know you guys had a couple other questions. I, I think drive through and HR happy hour were like the first two well-known HR podcasts. There are probably others out there and I don't want to discredit anybody, but those were the two that I followed a lot. And they were events, you know, you could call in during the day and hang out with your friends. And every Thursday night, there was kind of a party on Twitter 
around the HR happy hour when Steve Bose and Sean Griffin were doing it. And then later on, Trish, Trish uh, McFarlane. I joined because I, podcasting got easier than blogging. I got tired of writing. Didn't have as much to say. I wrote every day for a couple of years and I wrote the blog was like seven years old. And eventually I, I just found that talking was a better format for me. And it also gave me a chance to talk to people in different spaces in the HR world that, that did stuff that I don't touch on a daily basis. So I got value by, by you know, learning. And, and, I, and I was fascinated with the medium. Robin and I want to give it one more run to see if we can make it work because we, we still love the, the live format and we think the show is great. We have something like 1,500 pieces of content out there. And I guess we just don't want to let it die. So we're, we're going to try to do it every Tuesday. Uh, four days, you know, four days a month, and we have a different kind of little theme. Do the work or workplace. Now we're going to try to present some some cadence that people can follow uh, instead of sort of what it's been for the last year or so. As I've tried to keep it alive, which is doing it when I felt like it, and then dropping it when I didn't have time. So our thought is it still has a place. We like the live format. It's a bit different than what you guys are doing, or as I you know mentioned, Lori and Jennifer and a bunch of others that are that are doing things. And, and, and we just kind of like the, we kind of like playing in that little space. It's fun for us. And so we want to keep trying to do that. I'm excited for it, Michael. I have to say, cause I, you know, I, it was fun doing it. It is a very different experience, but I, I, I like that idea that it, it is unique anymore. I don't think, I don't think anybody is doing it. I think it's, I think it's excellent. I'm glad, I'm glad to see you giving it another go. I think that yeah, for me, it, you know, for me, it's kind of a passion thing. But re but really, like, and you know, I, I know we're going to do question connect in a minute. But like, you know, somehow you guys started this podcast, you know, the, the social hour, and it took me a while to realize it was there because it's easy in today's work world. I think there's so much information being pushed at us; it's hard to parse out anything that's worth you know, paying attention to, you know, any, anything we can do, I think, to kind of keep ourselves connected helps. And that's part of what I think that drive through does for me and hopefully for the people that have listened, that listen to us still. I love it. Well, since you brought it up, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half hour question connection. <laughs> do you remember how you first connected with us? So I don't know if we, you know, we may have exchanged in vague chat on Twitter, you know, as individuals before this, but somehow in the last year plus, I became aware of this really odd timed Twitter chat called HR Social Hour that people would do it on Sunday night. And I was like, Sunday night is when The Walking Dead is on and when Ray Donovan is on and Gabe. <laughs> 60 minutes and apparently so I, too has been we have been told <laughs> so I, I i actually and then i realized that it was a podcast and i listened a few times and then i started getting curious about who you guys were because you were competitors but you were also doing something a little bit unique i think tying the tying the twitter chat and the time of the event you know kind of brought back some memories of the thursday night event so that's how, that's how i first noticed you and then and then i reached out and we talked and you guys did my show and you know so on and so on that's how that's how social media works right exactly absolutely absolutely michael talk a little bit about how networking's helped in your career and what's been really effective for you when it comes to networking you know what? This is this is like serious. I mean what I'm going to say seriously. I used to I was a Sherm member for a long time 
and I'd go to local Sherm chapters or I'd go to Sherm National and I'd carry my business cards and I'd try never to eat alone. And I'd come back home with cards from people that I never talked to again. I did that for about 15 years. I never could figure out how to break the networking wall based on individual chit chat. I hate small talk. You might, that might surprise you, but I'm not good at it. I hate doing it. I don't really like wasting the, the time. And social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, later on Facebook, allowed me to meet people like Lori Rudiman, Marin Hogan, uh, Steve Brown, lots of other folks that we know very well today. But I met them virtually. And it was so much easier to connect when, when I networked with them in person. And it was so much more effective. And it literally changed my professional life and my career. I would not have been a speaker. I would not have been a blogger. I would not have been a podcaster had, had that not become available as a tool and a resource. Amen. Tell us who you read and follow for HR Insights. Tons of people. Some, it, it, my focus is very broad and very shallow. Um, I focus, I try to follow, uh, you know, the, the, the trends of labor and employee relations for Q and educate my members. So I focus on that, but I also try to stay aware of, you know, higher level trends in HR. And so, you know, all the, all of our blogging friends, SHRM, I belong to a lot of other organizations, HRPA and others. It's really the, it's really the social media universe that I follow and the, the people who post online and, and it's a multitude of people you know, that, that share information in so many great ways. And sometimes when something's hot, I follow one individual more than another. But some of the folks I mentioned them already, uh, Lori Rudiman, Jennifer McClure, Brian Wempin, William Tinka, I could go on and on. You know, they're, they're all great resources and they're all great at keeping me connected. And I, I use that whole network. Michael, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? I, I think I do it through sharing information, the podcasting. The writing that I do, which is much more limited today, but I try to, I try to, I'm not, I don't try to be a thought leader anymore. I don't know that I ever did aspire to that, but I do try to be a useful source of information. And I certainly try to network people together on opportunities. I think that's cool. Helping people get together. That's awesome. So what is your favorite movie? Whichever one I last saw, <laughs> I actually thought about. I go to the movies probably every weekend. I try to go see a matinee. Nice. Last thing I saw that I really liked that took me by surprise was Bad Night at the El Royale. Certainly, Avengers. I'm a big. John knows we've talked a little bit about this. I'm a comic book nerd, so uh, you know, <laughs> Infinity Wars was surprising, but Deadpool, Logan, the the Wolverine book, some of those are. More obscure movies are ones that I enjoy as well. How about your favorite musician or band? Recently, I've been listening to a lot of older stuff. I've been watching, not not so much even listening, but watching performances. And I, I've been, was a child of the 70s. And so been amazed at watching some original black and white Led Zeppelin performances. What a great vocalist Robert Plant was. Always a huge David Bowie fan. And I've been kind of listening to his, you know, since he passed away a year or so ago, been listening to him a lot. But I'm 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 all over on uh, I use Spotify and I listen to that throughout the day. So I love listening to all a lot of different stuff. But those are some going back to my roots things, I guess. It's interesting how online music and like Spotify and Pandora 
have changed how people are listening to music. I know it's changed. It's changed how I listen for sure. Favorite TV show? Again, you know, I just cut the I cut the cord. I don't have cable anymore, so everything is streaming. I think the thing I like the most recently sticks with that comic book thing, and that was Daredevil. I thought season three was really good. Um, I just started season one of Ozark, and that's that's pretty strange and crazy. And those are the kind of TV shows I like. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to getting <laughs> that. But I have I'm only in like in, in the third show of season one right now. So there's a couple that I'm watching right now. Cool. We've talked comic books already, and and I, I remember I just I, the thing I remember most about you was when you asked me about being killed in Batman. Right. And it was, right. So because it is, it, I know it is delightfully random, and it is one of my weird claims to fame, if you call it that. But I have to say, it's I have not finished Daredevil yet. I've started season three. I, honestly, I'm more excited about Punisher season two, but. Hey, that's how it goes. But when when you're not going to the movies and seeing everything new or listening to the Zeppelin and Bowie or or watching some of these streaming shows, what else do you like to do outside of work? You know, this year has been a weird year. I don't I know a lot of people who seem to be saying like I'll be glad when 2000, 2018 is in the rearview mirror. And I honestly sort of feel that way. I I had a few personal issues, you know, family issues, brother sick, passed away and some other things. I don't mean to be morbid, but it it kind of makes it hard to focus on, you know, the things you like to do outside of work. So just in the last month or so, I've been kind of come back to life a little bit, you know, to the person I used to be, because I've been really heads down for work and for family issues for the last eight months or so. I've, you know, had dinner with Paul Hebert last Saturday night, and I had dinner with Carol McDaniel, who works for Delta Airlines, but is one of the first HR professionals I met in Florida when I moved down there in 2003 on a Tuesday night. And I had breakfast here in Atlanta with a woman named Sherry Nato, who is connected to Frank Zupan. And I'm trying, you know, I'm reconnecting not only in the in the social spaces i've also been discussing politics which is a bad idea but i decided to do it this last weekend but i i've been i've been trying to kind of revive some of my you know like my personal life so right now i'm just really focusing on trying to kind of trying to get back to normal if there you know if, if that makes sense it's not like i was you know I don't know. I wasn't living in a hermitage somewhere in the Himalayas, but it, it you know, it's been hard to do fun yeah. stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to get back to that. And it, that's been fun. Um, I'm also going to travel here soon. I'm going to Boston. I was up in New York state last, last month and visited some friends. So it's, it's stuff like that really that I've been focused on recently. Well, very sorry to hear about your brother and thanks. Uh, I, and it's, you're, it's, yeah. Well, where, you know, no, and it's, you know, you have a new normal in your life. And so it, it sounds like you're, you have, you're starting to find that. So right. um, I'm, I'm glad that, that you are finding that new normal for your life. So finally, Michael, if you weren't in the HR profession, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? You know, I saw that question and I went, I don't know, cause I did this for 32 years, right? I wanted to be a lawyer, but actually what I did when I worked my way through college and even in high school, um, and I still like to do it a lot now, for especially for bigger groups is cook. So I may very well have been, I don't want to say a chef, but I may very well have been involved in the restaurant business or some aspect of food preparation because it was something that I learned to do young and a lot of the skill set, like I can still flip eggs in a pan like I did when I was a cook uh, <laughs> 17 years old and that 
<laughs> it's a skill that that stays with you for life, like riding a bike. Yeah. So something something there, and, and you know, and I guess if you were talking about kind of like fantasy life, I'd be a highly paid travel blogger. Uh, you know, probably talking <laughs> from somewhere high atop the Alps or something right now. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. It's just I, you know something different, something Fun. different. But yeah. I really enjoy HR, and I'm really glad I made a career out of it. Actually. Well, we're glad you did too, yes. Michael, because if you didn't, we probably wouldn't be talking. And I appreciate especially the conversation about the labor piece because yeah. it is a world that so many of our listeners aren't as familiar with. And mm -hmm. so I'm really glad that we were able to have that conversation. I want to congratulate you because you survived the question mm -hmm. connection, the, the conversation at large. We can't thank you enough. Again, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where drive through is going yeah. now and for those folks, though, that are listening that aren't familiar with you, that aren't aren't connected, this is your chance to tell them what's the best way to reach you out there. Um, search Michael Vandervoort on Google, and I'm almost impossible not to find. There are a couple <laughs> of others. I'm not the guy at the University of Texas, and I'm not the guy that keeps getting arrested in Omaha. <laughs> uh, there's a, a younger Michael Vandervoort. Uh, no, I'm on Twitter as at Mike. Vandervoort. I'm on uh, Instagram as Michael Vandervoort. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn as Michael Vandervoort. And pretty much, and if you just go to michaelvandervoort.com, you can find my blog. So all those places. But it's surprising how many Michael Vandervoorts there are that I wouldn't want to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will put that in the show notes, not just say Google Michael Vandervoort yeah. to see what pops up. But uh, <laughs> Wendy, how about you? For those listeners that uh, aren't following you, how do they get in touch? Well, best way is on my blog mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me in a uh, an odd little Twitter chat, to quote Michael. But we uh, we meet 7 p.m. Eastern time on Twitter. Hope that you'll we'll see you there. How about you, John? <laughs> hey, John, before you go, I need to modify. Yes. It's not an odd little Twitter chat. It was just... <laughs> It, I, I didn't mean that sounds more demeaning when you hear it. It, it was a uniquely placed and interesting, interestingly timed uh, night that I would not expect to have seen a Twitter sure. chat. Because like I said, it you know, that's people do other stuff on Sunday night. That's and yet good. you guys took it and grew it and made it something that is, is really seems to be thriving. And that was that was what caught my attention. I was like, so, man, how did they? that. So uh, it, was, it was intended to be if it didn't sound that way. No, it, you know <laughs> no, no I, I, I understand. I, I completely understand. I, I want to kind of embrace it because it's different and it's, it's not what you would expect. If you're trying to find me, very simple. If you go to hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com, you'll find connections to all my social links there. And while you're there, if there's an episode you haven't listened to yet, you can download it directly, listen, rate and review, share with a friend. It's the best way to help us continue to build the network. So again, Michael, appreciate you being with us tonight. Yeah. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>